Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Robson Civil. With over 60 years of leading civil constructions experience, visit robsoncivilprojects.com.au. BJ Howes Metal Land. The coast's tradies' choice for tools, steel, gas. Visit bjhowes.com.au. Welcome to Saturdays on the Coast. Yeah, good morning. We're live at Gosford Tennis. Uh, how beautiful. The sun is shining. We're watching some juniors go through their motions and they've got the junior club championships. On my drive here, I saw more people playing junior football in Berkeleyvale than I've ever mm. seen. Uh, that's followed by Berkeleyvale Rugby League Club. Then the frosty fields of Arimba. I saw junior football there. Then we've driven past the golf course, and now we're at this beautiful tennis complex in Gosford. Really looking forward to the day. I can see Nick DeVivo has just arrived. Six foot six, serves at 220 k's an hour. His coach will join us as well, John O'Cooper. Uh, Buttes, great to see you on this super Saturday morning. What a day it is, Steve. Sunny shining. Great to see so many kids out playing sport, which is fantastic. It's been a long time with the weather and everything that's gone on. Wow, what a week of sport it has been. You look at <laughs> rugby league and the dramas and all those things that come with it. The World Athletics Championships and the performance of the Australians, which was just phenomenal. We've got the Commonwealth Games happening right now. There is yeah. so much going on in the world of sport. Yeah, I've never seen you. You're like you're cramming for some kind of exam this morning with your <laughs> little laptop computer. Hey, Tony Clark is on the line and I know he's got a tight schedule this morning. He doesn't want to step through any of the kind of real controversy. He just wants to talk out-and-out footy. Right. And uh, let's start with Thursday Night Footy TC. Good morning, mate. Welcome back to the show. And the Roosters, they continue their role with a 20 points to 10 win over the Sea Eagles. Yeah, good morning, boys. Uh, yeah, no, definitely. Um, not overly impressive, stupid, but full credit to uh, to the Sea Eagles, the, 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 uh, you know, after the week they had, of course, and, and bringing in the seven players that... Uh, uh, you know, we've been playing New South Wales Cup to, to fill their squad, but, uh, you know, one of the highlights for me, of course, was seeing, um, you know, another another Fulton make his debut in uh, in first grade. And I thought Zach really showed that, um, you know, he uh, he is uh, more than ready for uh, for an NRL career. TC, have you had much to do with him over the years? Uh, no, he, he came in um, after, uh, after I'd been there, Steve. But, um, yeah, there was always talk that... Um, of course, with Scott and Brett, uh, who are doing a marvellous job with the uh, recruitment um, with the uh, the Seagulls, that um, you know there were there were a good batch of kids um, coming through the juniors, and, and and the good thing is, you know, that they're they're local like, because there's a couple more, um, you know, Zach's age that have that have been playing their trade in in Jersey Flag and New South Wales Cup, and uh, and it, it argues well for for the Seagulls' future. Um, and I think, as we know, Adam McEwen, um, you know, legend on the coast, Adam, who's coaching the the Manly Jersey flag is uh, is very excited. What lays ahead, um, you know, with with these kids coming through. Yeah, TC. I look at the performance of the Seagulls, and it was a mighty effort considering what had played out during the week. And I've got to say, as a player in that squad, I respect uh, their choice in terms of the decision they made. But I, I've got to question their timing and, and you know what this decision 
and the impact that has on their overall season. You're going into a game where um, against an opposition that, you know, your eighth, ninth position, respectively, even points, and with limited games left in the season, and it's such a tight competition, I don't think you can afford to give up a game the way they did on uh, Friday or Thursday night. Yeah, no, I'm with you 100%, Michael. I don't, you know, we won't get into the politics of it, of course, but I, I didn't understand it. I mean, it's. It's not 1962, it's, you know, 2022 and everyone's included in everything, you know, and, and it's the way society has moved on and um, to leave your team. And, and probably the concern for me is, um, you know, what sort of aftertaste is this going to leave at training on Monday? You know, like, yes. as you said, exactly what you said then, mate. You know, um, I believe that it's probably now a bridge too far for Manly. You know, they've, they've given the Roosters two points. Um, looking at the draws that they both had, I, I find it, you know, it's, it's sort of some sort of miracle for Manly to make it. And as I said, I, I, I don't care who you are. Um, you know, you turn up Monday morning at training, you go, well, hang on, boys, you know, your season's over. So, um, you know, for a decision that, that, as I said, we won't come into it, but I just, I, I just don't get it. Yeah, I, I'm, yeah, it staggers me that um, you could leave your team the way they did, and, and that's okay. Um, moving on, last night, Storm versus the Warriors. Um, on the back of four losses, the Storm, they needed a win. Uh, they got one. I, I won't say it was convincing, but nevertheless, uh, it's two points, and it gets their season back on track to some extent. Yeah, definitely, Michael, definitely. I thought the um, the Warriors were very brave. I mean, the, the thing... Really interesting reading this morning um, from their captain, uh, from their captain to um, uh, Tohu Harris. He said that that, it, that it's like they've had a, it's cabin fever. They've had enough of each other, and I think that you can see when things got a little tough. You know, there was a couple of incidents where Sean Johnson threw a couple of silly passes. Well, not silly passes, but they didn't catch him, and then he's abusing someone. So, yeah, they've really got to reset themselves to the Warriors. I I, I wasn't overly impressed with with what um, with what the Storm delivered. Um, I've got to be honest. I didn't like the way they played, Michael. Um, mm. You know that big blade with his elbow. You know, I just, I, I, there's just no need for that. And, and um, I, they'll, I think they're on the. You know, I mean, we've been waiting for a few years, I suppose, and we were all said that that when it's going to be the year, and I think this will be the year that um, you know Storm will go out and straight set. Yeah, it may well be the case, unfortunately. And you know, we we, we always love the fairy tale, and you always, you know, everybody's death riding them. And this will be the year. This will be the year, like you said, mate. This may well be the year. Last night's game, uh, Parramatta versus Ooh. Penrith. What a game! Well, plenty of talk, talking points, but the main one is Nathan Cleary and that tackle on Dylan Brown gets sent off. 18th minute. Uh, I think it's 10-4 or 10-6 at the time. Uh, it's basically game over. The Panthers aren't going to be able to stick with the uh, Eels from then on. But um, plenty of, I guess, permutations and questions over where this leaves the Panthers. Well, well let me go at you first, Butes, because you were part of the match review committee. I mean, that and TC, I want to bring you in, obviously. It's one of the ugliest tackles. And uh, we were flicking all over the place. We wanted to see Brad Woodward in the swimming. We're yeah. watching Melbourne. We're playing Fremantle in the AFL. And then suddenly Corey goes, Dad... Nathan Cleary's been sent off. So he started getting text messages last night. It's one of the ugliest tackles I've seen in some time. Uh, look, for me, I, I look at it and I go, you know what, I, I get the situation and I just get concerned that we are going so far the other way in terms of, you know, players being sent off and whatever else. So, again, I'm comfortable with 10 minutes in the sin bin for this and, and I know he's going to spend some time. There's no doubt about it. Um, yeah, I, again, I don't know. I, maybe I'm thinking with my head about, you know, what a good game it could have been. Um, I, I don't think Dylan Brown was in any serious threat 
of having a serious injury based on that tackle there. Right? I really don't. Because, you know, he was landing on his back. Was, you know, yeah, but I don't, think, I, uh, mate, I, don't, I don't think, Michael, we should be, you know, whether there's an injury or, you know, I mean, we had that with Latrell Mitchell last year with Joey Manu. I don't think injuries should come into it. I thought it was a very ugly tackle. Uh, I thought yeah. he got what he deserved. I don't think, you know, there's going to be a huge suspension around it. But again, what we've got to do, Michael, we've got to reset rugby league in the fact of, um, again, you know, Ivan talking about his, um, what Nathan said, oh, you know, we held, there was two holding him up and then they let go well, you know, where's your tackle technique? Where's your, you know, it's like Lindsay Collins getting knocked down on Thursday night. Yeah. We start getting our heads in the wrong spot. You know, I mean, it's a, it's a story for another day. But again, you know, if, if we're relying on other people, where's, you know, where, where we get back to, to just, you know, use our shoulders and, and get this lifting out. I, I thought it was very ugly. And I'll tell you what, uh, you'd have to, could you imagine Brad Arthur waking up this morning going, what sort of team have I got? Yeah, I thought the same thing, TC. Yeah, I thought the same thing, and I thought, okay, so I would have liked to have seen Penrith score another try or two in the second half because they kept Parramatta scoreless until about the 75th minute, and what that was for me was the reigning premiers saying, hey, we're not just going to roll over. We're going to come at you even with 12 men, and we'll see you in the finals when we're back to 13. I thought they were trying to make a bit of a statement in that second 40. What were your thoughts? I agree, I agree mate. They rolled up their sleeves. They went, you know what? Yeah, we're down a man. But it was the 78th minute where Sevo scores that try in the corner uh, to seal the game. The game was well and truly over. Oh. But for me, that's the that shows me right there that these guys are still thinking about premierships, what it's going to take, and if we're in this position... And I dare say that's what Ivan Cleary is saying at halftime. Boys, we might be in this yeah. position, right, in a grand final. What are we going to do? We're going to roll uh, over or we're going to bloody put in the hard work? I'd like to get TC's opinion because this is just my opinion, TC. I think Parramatta, they're good front runners, And on their day, I think they're the equal of almost any team in the competition, particularly when they, they score a couple of early tries and are full of confidence. But I'm not buying Parramatta at the moment as a, as a serious finals contender. I just think they're far too erratic. 100% so the inconsistency drives me, drives yep. me nuts, you know, and uh, and and the thing was, like, I mean, I haven't seen Mitch, oh, I think it's probably the best 40 minutes I've seen from Mitch Moses for, for you know, weeks and weeks and weeks, but, you know, week in, week out, Mitchie, come on, let's get going, you know, and uh, I'll tell you one thing, Steve, you've been a lifelong Bulldog supporter, you'd be pretty excited about Reed Money coming over. Yeah, a- abs- oh. absolutely, but uh, I guess, uh, you know, um, you know, we've had a pretty good hooker the last couple of weeks who's on his way to Redcliffe. So he's he's in career best form, um, Jeremy Marshall King. Yeah, Marshall look, King. I've got to say, if I was the Redcliffe Dolphins, he would have been, uh, Reed Marnie would have been one of those players that I'd build my side around. I think he's an absolute, you know, a ripper of a player. And you talk about consistency, he is without doubt one of the most consistent players from Parramatta week in and week out. You yeah. know what you're going to get from him. Yeah, and Papali'i, what yep. a sensational player. But don't forget, Viliami Kikau's coming to Canterbury. Mm-hmm. I think if the Bulldogs, you know, if the way they're playing, they should beat Newcastle tomorrow. Uh, that's a game we could take a look at. But we've got a cracker this afternoon, boys, and we need to get to it. Cronulla up against South Sydney. That is a blockbuster. And when you look at the table, I haven't got it in front of me at the moment, but there's about four teams on 26 points. The battle for the top two, in fact, the battle for the top four is probably the best it's been in the last decade. Yeah, definitely, Steve. What a, what a game it's going to be, too. You know, like a, 
the rabbits, um, you know, with Latrell coming back, enjoying his footy, like you know, lost so, so much fitter than he has been, um, and of course Cronulla that that, that have just been a revelation this year, you know, led by by the Central Coastian in uh, in Nico Hines, you know. So yeah, it's it's a mouthwatering clash, and as you said, I mean, there's no guarantee uh, other than Penrith. There's probably no guarantee uh, around any positions at the moment, you know. Um, it, 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 it's a, which is great for us to to have such interest, you know. We're still five five games to go. Yeah, if you uh, if the Rabbitohs win, you'll have five teams on twenty six yeah. points, Buttes. And you know what I love about yeah. this: the Storm, as poor as they've been in the last five weeks, six weeks, they're sitting third at the moment. They're on twenty six points, and they've been ordinary. We're talking about the fact that you know, yeah. is this their year where they're going to falter? They're still in that top four at the moment. And, and I know they've got some hard work ahead of them in terms of the way they're playing at the moment. They're probably not where they want to be. But where they're positioned on the ladder, right, they are still there or thereabouts. And uh, there's plenty of teams that will be looking over their shoulder or concerned about taking on the Melbourne Storm as we get to the back end of the season. I have no doubt about that. Uh, what are your thoughts, Butes, about, about Cronulla and South? How do you oh, see it? Oh, ripper of a game. Look, I, I'm going with, I, I tip the Sharks based on the fact that it's a home game for the Sharks. I think they're playing some really good football. Rabbitohs are in good form. You know, you can see the pressure come off Cody Walker once Latrell Mitchell come back. And he has, Latrell Mitchell's come back with a purpose. And it's great to see. I think it's great to see for the fans. I think it's great to see for his fellow teammates that he has got instilled a hell of a lot of confidence in his teammates around him. And they have grown an extra couple of feet in terms of their stature. Just the fact that Latrell is back and he's playing the way he is. Hey, just before we wrap up this first rugby league segment, TC, uh, the West Tigers take on the Brisbane Broncos. I've got to get your thoughts on last Sunday. My goodness. I was listening on the radio, and the poor old West Tigers uh, actually feel like that's one of the worst decisions I've seen in recent memory. But how about for you, TC? Oh, it just was unbelievable. I was texting my, my best mate, who's a lifelong Tigers supporter, and um, we just couldn't believe it that they could come up with uh, with such a decision, Steve. But, uh, yeah, good on the Tigers. I mean, they, they, they took it to the Cowboys, and... Uh, um, but yeah, no, it, it, it spoiled the week. Uh, well, until we got the manly thing happening, but um, it was, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, certainly, um, certainly a, a, a horrendous decision. So uh, yeah, hey Michael, I'll uh, we'll just have a quick schooner on the uh, on the sharks uh, rabbits because I, I think the rabbits will get them. I think Fenucan's uh, a huge out for uh, for the sharks. So uh, I'll be seeing you Friday afternoon for your shout. You've got it, mate. No problems at all. That's, it'd be nice for you to shout a beer for once. That's a good point, too. Like, the, the day off for Nukin won, uh, Buttes and TC. Mm. So, was it was it even a penalty during the game? No, or? there was no penalty in the game. The thing about it is, and I touched on this uh, with Matty White during the week, it was his careless nature of him coming off the line. Hey, right? say that again. So you're on SEN with Matty White. Yeah, correct. Yeah. And are you on SEN again this weekend calling the footy? No, I was asked to do it next weekend at you, North Sydney Oval, but unfortunately I'm up in Coffsaba. You are the most in-demand <laughs> rugby league expert on SEN at the moment. Quite possibly. So you're Quite on with possibly. the great Matty White. Yeah, yeah, he got every, me on. Every day or no, just a one-off? No, every day. It's just a one-off. He just called me in and said, uh, not called me in, but called me over the phone. But yeah. the thing about it, it was that careless nature of him getting off the line right, and coming out as hard as he did, right, that's where the duty of care was or the lack of duty of care. Uh, I know it was a head clash and I get all these things, but you need to be conscious. When you're coming out of line that quickly, that's where um, he got it wrong, uh, Dale Finucane. And I just look at it and I just go, you know what, um, sure, it's a head clash, but you've just got to be conscious about what you're doing. And this is where the game's at at the moment, unfortunately. It's just the nature of our game. And look, that horrend- uh, the injury was horrendous. There's no doubt about it in terms of the split ear to – 
Stephen Crichton. But, um, yeah, I, there's certain things in the game that I think are a little bit concerning for mine. TC, where are you off to? I can hear you're on the road uh, early on this Saturday morning. Yep, we're up to Morford. Uh, so, uh, yeah, just about on the way. I'm getting the... Uh and the wind-up now from the producer here, Stephen. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, the goddess, a.k.a. Kerry Clark. Good morning to her as well. And uh, have a fantastic weekend, mate. Thank you for your time. Good on you, boys. Thanks for having me and uh, all the best to you. Yeah, we'll go to our first break. Uh, the show all thanks to Robson Civil Projects and McDonald Jones Homes. You can start your new dream home today with McDonald Jones. The open line number... 1300 42 15 33. Your thoughts on Parramatta's win last night? Your thoughts on Nathan Cleary? How long should he be rubbed out for? Butes is saying maybe he should, should have just been sent to the sin bin. Yeah, I'm comfortable with the sin binning for mine. And look, I'm okay with that. Look, he's going to get suspended. There's no doubt. He'll get three weeks or five weeks. That's as simple as it is. Uh, I disagree, Butes, about just a sin bin. I think it okay. was ugly. And That's I cool. Think he needs to serve some time on the sideline. But what's your opinion? 1,342-1533. We'll take a break. We're back with John O'Cooper in just a few moments. One of Australia's best coaches. He had a world ranking. And the word on the street here at Gosford Tennis is you and I might be taking him on. Allen and Butner. Up against Cooper. Uh, a l- little bit later on today. Can we get the Vivo as well if we need him? We can have DeVivo yeah, on our team. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Six, six foot six <laughs> serves at 220. We just let him serve. Hey, hey, you've seen my serving action. Yeah, I, that's what I'll let, let's that's get why you want. Yeah. <laughs> Off to a break. It's Saturdays on the coast. Robson Civil. With over 60 years of leading civil constructions experience, visit robsoncivilprojects.com.au. BJ Howes Metal Land. The coast's tradies' choice for tools, steel, gas. Visit bjhowes.com.au. You're listening to Saturdays on the coast. Yeah, welcome back. We're live from Gosford Tennis Centre. I love this venue, and we've seen so many great matches here over the years. In fact, I saw a great win by the guy we're about to interview, John O'Cooper, last year. I'm just looking, though. You mentioned before we went to the break that Nick DeVivo could be on Team Allen and Butner yeah. for this match against John O'Cooper. Have a look at Nick DeVivo. He looks like a caged lion over there. He's prancing around waiting. Yeah, waiting to belt one down at John O'Cooper at 2.20 plus. Uh, John O'Cooper, good morning, mate. Welcome to our show. Yeah, thanks, boys. What are we going to do when, like, the Vivo serves it, Cooper gets it back You know what? at us standing at the net? What are we going to do? Yeah, look, uh, I go back to what my dad said to me when I was young. He said, Steve-O, I don't care what you do. Just look good while you do it. So that's what I'll be doing. Right. I'll be trying to look good. Hey, Jono, uh, let's get serious. Uh, you played in a tournament this year with your protege, the Master and the Apprentice. Yep. And you got a victory uh, up north. Yeah, we're playing the Country Champs up in Foster. And DeVivo won the singles. And I got out there and won the doubles with him. How good's that? Yeah. And uh, <laughs> let's share some memories. So you grew up in the eastern suburbs. Uh, just tell us about your tennis journey. And you said to me off the air a moment ago that the juniors here are far better than what you saw in the eastern suburbs back in your day. Yeah, well, it was a rough start. We all uh, were playing with adult rackets, yellow balls. Now they have all these compromised little uh, uh, rackets and uh, tennis balls, like yellow, red, orange. And, um, yeah, I'd say they're, they're coming up the ranks faster than I did. What's the difference in the colour balls? What are they? Is it bounce? Is it? Yeah, bounce and pressure. So it's easy impact on the arm. Ah. And the smaller rackets help them control the weight of the racket. Hey, Jono, share some stories with our listeners because you were just telling Butes and I a moment ago, you travelled all around the world. You've got a world ranking, which you know, is incredible. So you're in the 600s, but it's a tough slog out there. Uh, tell us about some of your great moments and tell us about some of the real challenges. Yeah, it's a tough gig. So financially, you kind of got to go out there by yourself and try and afford everything. 
Uh, once you get to a certain ranking and then you start building up a fund, you can obviously take your team away. So coaches help you, support you. Uh, but a bit like sponsors obviously help you travel around the world and pay for accommodation, flights, whatnot. Um, but yeah, it's a tough gig because it's a solo sport. So being out on the tennis court by yourself, it's uh, mentally draining. Did you get some great wins in that time? Like, did you take down someone that, uh, you know, was uh, maybe in the top 200? I had a lot of practice matches against the top, like, 10. So Dominic Team, Maren Cilic, even played Serena Williams in a couple sets. And did whatnot. you beat her? I got a 6-1. <laughs> yeah. See, this is the equal pay thing I talk about, mate. <laughs> equal pay, and they want to get, you know... Yeah, we ultimately. Sh- yeah, we should have equal pay. Yeah, yeah. No, no. What I'm saying is they got to play five sets as well. Do the same amount of time on the court, mate. So you're taking us down no? some murky waters here. Like uh, Anyway, that, moving on. Moving on. Oh. Yeah, that, that that's awesome, mate. And what's the difference between – so you're playing guys like that that, you know, are top 50 in the world, I guess. What's the difference – what makes that difference between where you were and where they're at? Oh, to be honest, it's a fine line. So mm. around the probably 500 and under – uh, you normally get really quality players and it's just the make or break sort of thing. So the ones that stick in and put the hard work in pays off for them. Can I ask you, just in relation to you know funding and you know whether you can or can't take your coach, and you are saying earlier on that once you get into the top 100, you're an automatic starter at the Grand Slams, therefore you pick up your 100K as a first-round loser. Yep. So you're basically guaranteed 400K, but you know with that comes expenses. From a coaching perspective... Is there a certain percentage that they receive or is it a, a, an agreement between the player and the coach as to how that is all managed? Yeah, normally you have a contract between the player and the coach yep. and depending on how well they do, they'll get a cut out of the tournament and I think the different variations from the tournaments being a higher-ranked tournament would be a bigger percentage, lower-ranked tournament, lower percentage. Yeah. If, you, if you ever, ever want to get a gauge of what it's like, uh, I think the Yelena Dockage book is one of the best books I've ever read mm. and yeah, it's quite hard to read at times because of what her father was like but if you want to get an idea of what the slog is like you've got to read that book because she's from tournament to tournament and sometimes sometimes she'll win the tournament other times she's gone in the first round depending on who she comes up against yeah it's a tough gig week in week out you don't know your draw you could have really good draw and pull off a a nice win but then the next week you could come up against number one seed and be knocked out first round so it is mentally draining going through a roller coaster each week, month, tournament, but um, it ends up being a, a good, rewarding sport. Probably, you know, you, having been there yourself and understanding what the highs and lows are and how consistent you have to be with what you're doing, you look at the likes of a Federer, a Rafa, and, you know, the Joker, Oof. and you just go, it's just absolutely phenomenal how good they are and how consistent they are. Yeah, those guys are normally, I would be considered gods in tennis. So, you know, comparing yourself to those guys is just uh, ridiculous. Jono, where were you based through this period? Like, uh, you see a lot of tennis players spend time in Florida. Uh, How about you? I did spend a lot of time in uh, America. Uh, I did travel around the States uh, with a couple of coaches, uh, just going coach to coach, trying to help me out. Uh, But once you're over there, you want to stay over there because it's uh, obviously a long trip coming back to Australia with the the price. The The lesser tournaments... Is it still financially viable for you to get along and, and, and make an earn? Uh, not really. Yeah. You have to kind of win the tournament to then come out even at the end of the week uh, at those tournaments. But it's all about more so saving up beforehand 
and then spending your bank account when you're over there. Yeah. yeah. So it's actually costing you money to, to be on the road. Uh, just before we go to the news, uh, give us some thoughts on the young fella that's uh, to our right, Nick DeVivo. You must be so excited about what the future holds. And he hasn't just got you as a coach. I think he's got numerous coaches around the country at the moment because he's spending a lot of time in Brisbane at the High Performance Centre. Yeah, correct. We get him to go up there because obviously there's a few more better players to hit against and variety. But there's a couple of TA guys up there um, working with him and just building his game, helping us, taking the pressure off us. Uh, but, yeah, when he's back down here, he tends to flog us and <laughs> put us into place. Yeah, that's why he's on Team Allen and Butner for later on. I'd like to get you on a little bit later too, Jono, because as a, I'd like to get your insights as a coach. Uh, so when you transition, how that's been for you and how many players you've got in Team Cooper. Uh, moving forward. We're off to the news, though. We do this all thanks to Robson Civil Projects celebrating their 60th anniversary, uh, not just on the Central Coast these days, but Sydney, right through the Hunter Valley. They're also uh, out in country New South Wales in Dubbo. And uh, we send a shout-out to all of the Robson Civil Projects team, as well as McDonald Jones Homes. You can start your brand-new McDonald Jones home today. Off to the news. We're back in a few moments. We'll talk track and field with Matt Lynch next on Saturdays on the Coast. Robson Civil, with over 60 years of leading civil constructions experience. Visit robsoncivilprojects.com.au. BJ Howes Metal Land, the coast's tradies' choice for tools, steel, gas. Visit bjhowes.com.au. You're listening to Saturdays on the Coast. Yeah, welcome back. We're live at Gosford Tennis and loving it this morning. Uh, such a magnificent facility. And uh, a little bit later in the morning, we'll be talking to Nick DeVivo, who's part of the Danica Clark Foundation, Buttes. And yes, he is. You're the chair of the foundation. And coming up soon is the Danica Clark Gala Night. We've got our big night. How good is it? 13th of August, Saturday at Mingara Club, who are great supporters of the Danica Clark Foundation. And what a night it's going to be. It's one of the highlights of the year, Steve. No doubt about it. Buttes, when you came on board, so I think you came on board maybe the second or third year and immediately you become chair. No, I yeah. was, I'm one of the originals. Uh, well, I was there day one. Yeah, really? Yeah. Day one? Day one. Oh, I think we need to go back to the record books. Yeah. I think you come on board. No, day one I was there, I, I remember, because it was, I, we'd spoken to Clarky on the radio show. That's right. And I a, rang him afterwards and I about said, About the formation. This. Correct. And I said, mate, I want to be a part of this. I don't know what I can do. He said, look, we've got our first board meeting. Uh, in two weeks' time on Tuesday. You want to come along? I went, count me in. Well, there we go. You fact-checked me this morning. But, uh, mate, uh, you must be incredibly proud over 100 athletes now. Oh, look, it's phenomenal. And, you know, it's amazing to think what the foundation has been able to do for these young athletes. And it's something that what has amazed me most of all is the broad range of athletic skills and ability of these athletes on the coast like it's just absolutely phenomenal you know nick devivo is, is one of those you know the, the sport of tennis but we've seen you know such a broad range you know um tempion bowling um you know winter sports you yeah. know maddie graham with his uh mogul skiing like and you look uh, all over the world at the moment so at the top of the show we mentioned brad woodward has qualified yep. for the final of the 100 meters backstroke at the commonwealth games tomorrow matt dawson will be in action in the hockey uh we've seen in Hawaii, uh, we've seen Callum Sutton finish top three in... It's not called the Molokai board paddle anymore in Hawaii. It's called the Ocean Blue race. But Callum has gone to the other, other side of the world and finished top three in that race. So everywhere you look, there's a Danica Clark athlete doing something amazing. Hey, uh, Buttes, we need to talk some track and field. And joining us once again this week, 
Uh, we welcome back Matty Lynch, who was in Oregon, but now he's back home. Good morning, mate, and thanks for your time. Yeah, no, thanks for having me. Um, I noticed you guys are at Gosford Tennis Centre. I'm actually at uh, Birchgrove Tennis Centre down in Sydney, so I'm just having a little bit of a chat with you guys before having a few hits. Yeah, oh. fantastic, mate. Have you got some form? Uh, I'm terrible. <laughs> so we'll see how I go. Well, you were a 400-metre runner, so the tactic would be to try to run someone off their feet, right? Well, maybe when I was running 400s, but these days I think my main tactic is just get the ball back on the court, keep it in play. I hey, think Matty, let's talk about the conclusion of the World Track and Field Championships in Oregon. I was just saying to Michael off the air that the performance of Sydney McLaughlin has got to be close to the greatest athletic performance I think I've ever seen in the 400-metre hurdles. She smashes her own world record. Uh, I think the only one that really comes close for me is David Radisha in the 800 metres. But what were your thoughts of just a magnificent run by Sydney McLaughlin? Well, the fact that second place was Femke Bold and third was Dalala Muhammad, and they're two and three on the all-time list. And to, to beat them mm. by more than a second and a half is, is, is just out of this world. There's something that's, something that's in the water with 400-metre hurdlers. You look at that race in Tokyo with Custom Ball Home, and 45.9, Sydney would have made the final in the flat 400 with her 400 hurdle time. So it's just, they've, they've just gone in leaps and bounds. It's like they've just yeah. figured something out with 400 metre hurdles. Yeah, actually, she would have come seventh in the 400 flat buttes. That is ridiculous that you were running, you're jumping over 10 hurdles along the way. Like, just phenomenal. What about the performance of the Aussies, uh, Matty? When, uh, it's our greatest uh, result ever, finishing sixth on the medal tally, two gold medals uh, and a bronze. Just absolutely phenomenal, the effort of our Australian team. And, you know, we can talk about the medalists, but there were so many performances, um, you know, making it into the finals uh, and the performances in the finals. Gee, it looks good for Australia, you know, over the next couple of years because all these athletes are pretty young uh, and have got a big future ahead of them. Oh, yeah. Well, you look at... So we haven't hit double-digit top eight since, I think, ninety nine. And even then, like top eights is, a, is an arbitrary term because just it's it's for the track finals when there's eight lanes. But you know, if you count finalists, we've got so many more. Like everyone who made a distance final, like Stuart McSwain came ninth. Like that, we don't count that as a top eight, but he's a finalist, and, and that's so much harder to do, especially in those middle distance. So, I, I think the fact that we've got another world champs next year in Budapest, and then you know they're over at the Commonwealth Games now, it, it's going to be phenomenal. And all those events that we did so well in, they're, they're tough events. You know, you've got Scotland, England, Wales, Jamaica, Bahamas, then the Kenyans, uh, Uganda's over there as well. So it's still going to be tough to get those medals in Birmingham. Matty, I know you want to talk about uh, KLB, Kelsey Lee Barber. So mm. uh, before we went to air last weekend, the javelin wasn't held. Not just Kelsey Lee, but we also had another Aussie who was also in the bronze medal position for a lot of that competition and ended up, I think, finishing top six in the end. So just sensational for the Aussie javelin throwers. Oh, it, it, it's phenomenal. Like last year, we had three in the final in Tokyo. Um, unfortunately, Kath Mitchell not in the same form that she was last year, but we actually were never not in the lead as a country. So Mackenzie threw her personal best on her first throw. She was in the lead all until round three when Kelsey Lee Barber launched at 66.91, and then she was in the lead. So... We've never won two medals in one event. We were so close. It was actually the same finishing positions that we had in Tokyo in the women's oh sorry and the women's high jump here with Eleanor and then Nicola fifth. So first and fifth, it's unbelievable. 
you know, no female javelin throwers ever won back-to-back uh, gold medals at the World Champs. So Kelsey's the first, and now she's in line with Cathy Freeman, Jana Pittman, and there was one more. It might have escaped me right now, but to win two... Oh, Sally Pearson. Okay, I think that escaped me. So now they're the only two Australians that have ever won two golds, and you know, she wins the third next year. That's never been done by an Australian ever. So that's yeah. just at the next level. Yeah, absolutely. And just looking at Mackenzie Little, so I never realised she's a two-time NCAA champion. So that's the college circuit in America, which is such a great breeding ground. But when she went into Tokyo, can you believe she was ranked 24th in a 30-person field? So what a performance by Mackenzie Little. Well, also, she's um, pretty sure she's close to finishing her medical degree as well, which, which is just, you know, you, you talk about trying to be a professional athlete, but also then you're working on one of the hardest other professions outside of that. It's just me, one of those super elite athletes that's just, you know, fantastic at everything. And her mind must be moving a million miles an hour, always. Yeah. Now, uh, to uh, pick up on that, so she's studying a Bachelor of Science in Human Biology. Her hero, Mm -hmm. don't you love this, her idol is Dr. Catherine Hamlin, who revolutionised the treatment of obstetric fistulas in Ethiopia. (laughs) And around the world. <laughs> yeah. No, no, that's awesome. That's unbelievable. That's a, that's a, that's a, cl- that's a Cliffy Clavin stat, mate. Well, what are, you, what are your thoughts, Butes? <laughs> uh, my thoughts are this. Matty, heading into the Commonwealth Games. Cliffy Clavin. Cliffy Clavin from I uh, Cheers. Oh, how good. Yeah, yeah. How good. Um, <laughs> Matty, heading into the Commonwealth Games, this preparation uh, for the Aussies must be as good as it gets. You know, to, to compete against, you know, the world's best and to perform the way the Aussies did, it must give them a lot of confidence going into these Commonwealth Games. Oh, 100%. Like, it, I, I don't know if it would have been as big if it was before. I feel like the Com Games might have been a little bit less in numbers just knowing that the bigger event of the year with more athletes is going to be the next one. But the fact that it's straight afterwards, that so many of those mm. Aussies are going to be able to take confidence in how they competed and then go to the Commonwealth Games where... It's a weird one for athletics where in the Australia, Australia's perspective in general sport, the Com Games is bigger because it gets more coverage. It's on Channel 7, you know, so it's actually a bigger chance for the athletes to make a name for themselves. So yes. if they can carry this form in, and look, we go back to Kelsey Lee Barber, she's never won the Com Games. She's got a bronze, she's got a silver. This is her chance to get that first gold and she's hungry for that. And obviously Mackenzie's never been on the podium, you know, at that senior level as well. So there's, there's a chance that you know, we can go one, two in that like we did in uh, on the Gold Coast. Yeah, there's there's so many, you know, outstanding performances that I'm looking forward to. Obviously, we've done so well already in the uh, the swimming events. Um, I think we've, I think we've got some eight medals or something like that. And, eight gold medals. And, come off and, games already. And track cycling, the 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 four person pursuit. I think we set a world record, uh, a, a games record in that overnight as well. Uh, Just going back to Sydney McLaughlin momentarily, and I know we need to go to our next break, Maddie, but I think before she broke the world record, it had taken 33 years to break that record. Uh, That's just mind-blowing. Yeah. The the fact that, like, I I was in Doha um, in 2019 when uh, Delilah Muhammad broke it, and they both went under, so Delilah won, and then Sydney was second. They both went under the old record, and that was 52-1. So in three years, it's been dropped one and a half seconds. And you, you know that there's more left. There's definitely more left in the tank. And I think once someone breaks that barrier, 
you know, when they break the 52-second barrier, it was wild, but now they've gone sub-51. I think they're going to be able to drag the rest of those athletes through, and it's just one of those things. It's like in Australian sprinting right now. We've got our men and women, they're running so fast, and it's bringing everyone else along, and I think that's what's going to happen with World, with world 400 hurdling. Yeah, Butch, you got one more quick oh, Just thought. a quick one. Did she break two world records on the one day? Did she break it in the semi-final and then again in the final? Uh, that was the 100 hurdles. Oh, the 100 hurdles. That was hurdles. Um, Toby oh. Amazon. Yeah, that was, like, the fact that she did that, which was phenomenal, but no one was expecting it. It was probably the biggest shock in terms of, you know, Sydney's out there. You expected to do it. You didn't expect it to do it so much, but we all felt that she was going to break the world record. But for Toby Amazon, who... You know, personal best was 12.4, and she runs 12.12, breaks the world record, and had the old world record holder in her heat, who finished second. And then in the final, she runs faster, albeit was wind-assisted, but she still ran faster. To be able to do that is phenomenal. And they get a $100,000 bonus just for breaking it, so it's not bad. Yeah, happy days. Uh, Maddie. thank you again for your time. Enjoy your tennis this morning, and we'll talk soon. Yeah, cheers, mate. Enjoy. Thank you for having me. The great Matty Lynch, uh, what a great commentator he's mm. become uh, since he finished his track and field career. Oh, so knowledgeable. Knows it all. Yeah, absolutely. And Cliffy Clavin, one of my favourite characters. Uh, Norm was probably the favourite. Oh, of course. Hey, Norm. Yeah. Uh, we're off to a break. It's Saturdays on the Coast. We do it all thanks to Robson Civil Projects and also McDonald Jones Homes. Don't forget, you can start your brand new McDonald Jones Home today. The open line, we'll give you that number as well. The open line, 1300. 421533 or you can text us 0477 736 736. Back next we'll talk some local rugby league with Dane Allen. Robson Civil with over 60 years of leading civil constructions experience. Visit robsoncivilprojects.com.au. BJ Howes Metal Land, the coast's tradies choice for tools, steel, gas. Visit bjhowes.com.au. You're listening to Saturdays on the Coast. And we're live from Gosford Tennis. A little later on today, they'll have the Junior Club Championships. Looking forward to that. Thanks again to John O'Cooper for joining us. And thanks to the DeVivo family for making us so welcome here. Uh, after 10 buttes, really looking forward to our chat with Richard Peel, the new chair of the Central Coast Mariners. You know I love a good business story, and he's the director and co-founder of Anytime Fitness Australia. Ah, oh, there you go. Now, you'll find out during the interview, his son came through the Mariners Academy, mm. and he said he never planned on being a, an owner of the football club, but he was so impressed by Nick Montgomery and Serge and what they've done mm. that he couldn't help but get involved. And he's a big lover of American sports, uh, so... We'll kind of step through all of that because he's got some great ideas for the Central Coast Mariners moving forward. And they had a, they had a terrific business day yesterday trying to get you know, some of the business leaders on board for 2022 and 23 and beyond. Yeah, I love that, you know, obviously he changed, and whether it was Anytime Fitness or whether it was Plus, plus Fitness, but there's the concept behind the gyms with the 24-hour access. And I think, you know, considering people's lifestyles and what it all means, that uh, model there has proven to be really effective and... Um, yeah, good on him. I'd be interested to see some of the concepts and ideas behind it. And, you know, it's going to be a big year for the Mariners. They've got the NRL – oh, sorry, not the NRLW, the uh, A-League women uh, team coming into the, the competition as well, which is fantastic. Yeah, I think we've got a triple header, which might happen on, on the Central Coast. Mm. Let's get to Dane Allen because time is running away from us. Uh, DA, good morning, mate. Uh, you're part of the Erin Eagles who are sitting on top of the Central Coast Rugby League table. Is it correct there's no footy this weekend? I mean, that must be frustrating for you, but welcome back to our show. Thanks, mate. Yeah, uh, it's, um, yeah. there's a couple of games of footy, mate. We're unfortunately off. It's a um, 
it's a washout or a half a washout round played um, earlier in the season, mate. So they've um, yeah, there's two games going ahead, two played back then. So yeah, I think um, Berkeley Vale play Tookley, and I think Woi Woi play Wild, mate. Yeah, it's interesting, you know, considering how limited the season has been this year, that you'd be trying to catch up wherever possible, trying to catch up as many games as possible. I, I would assume. Oh, mate, it's it's been a nightmare, but it's um, <laughs> been a really tough. Uh, Especially the last six weeks, mate. I think we've um, I think we've had one ball work session and one game. So, um, mate, yeah, it has been tough. Um, I don't think they're going to try and catch up any more games, mate. I think they're just going to play it uh, as it lies, mate. Moving forward, and we've got two more weeks, uh, and then straight into semis. So, yeah, well, yeah. let's hope you get a good run, DA. And uh, just looking at the semis, I mean, is it the top four, and you can forget the rest at the moment because. You guys out on top with just the one loss this year. Wyong in second on 15 points. Tookley on 12. Terrigal in fourth place on 11. And then you go back to the Tigers and Kingcumber, both on seven points. Yeah, from what I can gather, mate, I think um, these last couple of weekends being washed out has um, yeah, has pretty much assured the top four. I don't think that fourth spot is up for grabs anymore. I believe if those games did go ahead, there was some, obviously, a couple of fluctuations might have happened. But, mate, yeah, I think it's, uh, it's all done and dusted there, mate. I think the top four. Uh, I think there can be a little bit of movement here and there, mate. But, yeah, that is in the top four sides, though, mate. That's a lock. Yeah, DA, there must be a, a real feeling for you guys. I mean, last year you were just flying. Uh, in fact, right through the pandemic period, and it's probably the premiership that you deserve over a couple of years, but yeah, there's still a lot of hard work to be done. Yeah, definitely, mate. We sort of we've got a few new faces on board, mate. So the dynamic of the place has changed a little bit. But um, yeah, the core sort of group, mate. They were there last year, and and uh, and yeah, as you say, mate, we're going along pretty well last year, and mate, we, we're we're back there this year, mate. So uh, yeah, fingers crossed, mate. We can continue that for at least the next five or six weeks, mate, and uh, yeah, get ourselves the premiership, hopefully. With the top four, you know, you're talking about the likes of the Ruse. Uh, you got Terrigal there, and who's that other team? Steve Tookley. Tookley. So, you know, going into those, you know, the semi-finals, who do you least want to come up against? Oh, mate, they're all they're all pretty handy footy sides, mate. I think um, any. Uh, oh, mate, I just want it dry. I don't. I don't care who we play. I yeah. just don't want wet footy, mate. I think. Um, the one thing we certainly have learnt this year, mate, we're um, a little bit clunky in the wet, mate, and it sort of brings. Yeah, it certainly it does tame our, our style of footy, mate. And I think, um, yeah, it doesn't really bother us who we play. But, uh, yeah, we're just hopeful it's nice and dry, mate. We can play what we, how we want to play. Can you name names? Who deserves credit at your footy club for kind of driving the culture in 2022? Yeah, mate, we've had a couple of guys uh, like Benny Stephen and, um, and Steve Point, mate. They've had a couple of injuries throughout the year, mate. But their attitude at training, they're a couple of eagles, you know, through and through. Um, and they've added some injuries, but they they turn up to every session, mate. They're, they're the ones that sort of drive the standards and that sort of stuff. So for those guys to be injured and still turning up week in, week out, mate, um, yeah, I think it sort of bodes well for where the club's at. And it, and it does inspire those younger guys, mate, who are who do sort of see that behaviour, mate. And sort of, um, yeah, I think they, they push our standards, mate. We've got Lincoln Tuberty on board, a yeah, good friend of Lincoln's, and, and played a lot of footy with him. And, uh, and, mate, he's another guy. He's our captain this year, mate, and he drives, he drives everything, mate. When he speaks, people listen. And, uh, yeah, it's great to have him on board. Yeah, former player of the year in the Central Coast Rugby League comp. Great to have you on the show, mate. We need to cut it short, unfortunately. We're off to the news, but best wishes for the Erin Eagles moving forward. Cheers, fellas. Thanks for that, mate. Dane Allen joining us. We're off to the news. We'll come back next. We'll talk to the chair of the Central Coast Mariners. Richard Peel is next on Saturdays on the Coast.
Robson Civil. With over 60 years of leading civil constructions experience, visit robsoncivilprojects.com.au. BJ Howes Metal Land. The coast's tradies' choice for tools, steel, gas. Visit bjhowes.com.au. Welcome to Saturdays on the Coast. Yeah, welcome back. We're live at, te- at uh, Gosford Tennis Centre and uh, it's starting to get busy here, Buttes, with uh, a lot of the juniors coming in for the junior club championships, which get underway at midday. At uh, 10.30 this morning, we'll talk to Amber Cross. Fantastic news. The Central Coast Heart are through to the Premier League Netball Grand Final. They'll take on North Shore on August 6th and we'll chat to Amber in around about half an hour. Right now, though, yesterday, Buttes, I was at the at the Mariners' launch of their new kit for the Australia Cup. But it was also a, a fantastic morning for business leaders on the Central Coast to get around the club in 2022 and 23 and beyond. And one of the men who spoke to the crowd yesterday is the new chair, Richard Peel, who joins us live on the line now. Richard, good morning, mate. Welcome to Saturdays on the Coast. G'day, guys. <laughs> Thanks for the invite. Yeah, firstly, congratulations on yesterday. Uh, I thought it was a fantastic morning. In fact, one of the best mornings I've been to for some time. And how was the feedback for you from the business leaders on the coast? It's really exciting, mate. Uh, a lot of new people uh, um, that are looking to uh, uh, get behind what we're trying to do at the club. And um, it was a good opportunity for us to explain our vision and uh, you know how we can get local businesses involved and expose their businesses to uh, our fans and and then hopefully make it viable for them to uh, you know, sponsor the club. So it was, a, it was a great day. Hey, Richard, in the first hour, I told Michael, like, I really love a great business story. So can we talk about your career momentarily? So you're director and co-founder of Anytime Fitness Australia, and you've got numerous businesses. But can you tell us a little about your background? Yeah, it's not that exciting. I'd rather talk about soccer, mate, but... Um, um, Look, I started in the fitness industry 35 years ago in, in big box health clubs. Um, I've, I've personally owned, uh, I think it's 33 health clubs from really large ones, 7,000 members, uh, down to a couple of hundred member type clubs. And um, yeah, we've uh, we've had Anytime Fitness now for 15 years in Australia. Um, and we're, you know, we've got a long way to go. We've, we've got 570,000 members, which we're, we're proud of in a population of 24.5 million. Um, but, you know, we want to make a million members and so we've got a lot of hard work ahead of us. So, uh, yeah, that's a bit about my story. Um, yeah. Let's yeah, talk soccer. Far, 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 far <laughs> too humble, isn't he? Oh, way too humble. And, Richard, I've got to say, you know, when you think about the, the way the health industry has changed, um, you know, that concept of the 24-hour gym and having access to it, um, whilst at the start it might have been a little bit foreign, it's now common practice basically everywhere. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, uh, Anytime Fitness was the first uh, uh, chain globally to put the 24-7 access in there. And um, obviously, you know, it forced the industry to change drastically. Mm. Um, it is interesting, you know, everybody thinks they want 24-hour access, but it's nice to have that, but very few people use it between you know, the hours of midnight and four o'clock in the morning, a few shift workers and that. But I think people just like the thought of having access whenever they can. So, yeah, it is a standard across the industry for sure. Yeah, well done to you and, you know, having the foresight to be able to offer that to uh, your clients. And obviously it's kicked on to bigger and better things uh, for yourself. Now, back to the Mariners and, um, you know, I guess your involvement in the club has probably come about due to the fact that, you know, you've, 
you liked what uh, the coach Nick Montgomery was about and his assistant Sergio, um, and, and you liked their concept and their philosophies. Talk to us a bit about that. Well, look, you know, it's out of necessity, the, the Central Coast has always had to have a focus on their youth development yep. and, uh, you know, giving players exposure into the first-team football, um, which has created this uh, mach- machine of producing great players that we we end up selling overseas, and, and that is our business model, and we're going to continue to do that. In fact, we're, we're amplifying our, um, our commitment and our investment into our youth academies. Um, to see if we can uh, produce even more players um, and, and move them on. And, and um, like you said, you know, massive respect for both Nick Montgomery and his assistant, Serge, and the whole whole team that, that Nick's put together um, around him. Um, and I know by the end of this season, there's going to be four or five or six players that people... Don't know today, but they will be you know, household names around the Central Coast towards yep. the end of this uh, season. A because they deserve to be there, but B, you know, we're we're a club that, that because we don't have the budgets to buy the the big imports, we have to rely on um, and finding these great young talents and giving them the opportunity. I find it interesting, Richard. My son's been involved, uh, or was involved, both my boys with the Mariners program, and I think it's only probably been, you know, in particular with Nick and, and Sergio, recent years where they've really fostered the, the academy uh, players and brought them through. And, and you know, we've seen that over the last couple of years. Uh, you know, there's more than a handful of players that have come through that academy program, and it was probably disappointing before that. Um, it wasn't tapped into, and I see a lot of the the other A League clubs not utilising their youth players. And I, I just think, what's the point of having an academy program if you're not going to tap into these kids? Because this is where you develop the culture, and, and, and all these kids. And, and you can look at rugby league, you can look at soccer, and you can look at you know most major sports. You know those that are successful, uh, and Penrith is a classic example. Those that are successful actually rely on their local juniors or people that have been in their system for a long time. And it's no coincidence, it's no fluke that these kids understand it and they, you know, they're passionate about uh, the jersey that they're wearing. And not only that, they're also engaging in the community because they've been brought up in the local community and people want to go see and watch them play. Yeah, absolutely. It's interesting you mentioned Penrith because it's one of the sporting organisations that I've got massive respect for and... Um, and, and, and candidly, you know, we're taking taking the lead from what those guys do in the youth youth space. Um, so, totally agree with uh, what you said. It's interesting you mentioned getting back into the, uh, you know, when you when you bring people through youth academy, they're tied into the community. I think COVID has, has you know stopped that to to a large degree. But um, we're very 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 committed towards all our players getting back out in the community and, and people around the Central Coast will see Mariners players at, at primary schools, surf clubs, hospitals, um, all that sort of thing, uh, local soccer clubs, uh, a lot more than they have done in the last few years uh, over the coming uh, few seasons. So we've, we've, you know, we've got to get back to doing that, back out into our community. The other thing, you know, I, I do agree, you know, there are many, many clubs around Australia, and I don't want to be critical of other clubs' operations, but I watch their youth teams play, and I see plays in there, and I go, wow, that kid, you know, that kid's got something special, but you just, because they've got, you know, they're able to, 
to, to spend bigger and have more established players. It seems to stop a lot of these really good young players getting that exposure in the first team. And I, yep. I do believe that it's, it's, it's actually affected our, our performances on the international stage over the last few years. So uh, it's one of the things that we're passionate about is um, you know, continuing to, uh, to give that exposure um, so that uh, hopefully we can get more and more plays into the national teams. That's, that's one yep. of our big goals. We're talking to Richard Peel, the new chair of the Central Coast Mariners. I want to discuss uh, some American sport, but Pitts, yep. you got the next question. Got, no, no, I just got a little comment just in relation to what you said about, you know, going into the community and, and being a part of that. I think ultimately, especially the, the local soccer clubs, you've got to fish where the fish are, right? There's no point yeah. throwing rods out and, you know, where the fish ain't biting. And, and you know what? Those local <laughs> junior kids, they're passionate about soccer, right? They're the ones that you yeah. want to engage and get them to the game. Uh, uh, How are you going to do that? By actually letting the kids see their heroes and being a part of it and get to see, you know, touch and feel them and, you know, be a part of it. Touch, so, touch and feel. You're starting to sound like Mr. Miyagi here, Buttes. Uh, like you're throwing out, throwing out some philosophy. Hey, Richard, yesterday when we spoke, you mentioned about Minnesota FC. So I did some research afterwards and, wow, what a football club that is. And that's one of the clubs around the world that you're trying to maybe model where the Mariners are heading. And can you share some of your thoughts about the game day experience, which you're a lover of American sports, and tell us some of the ideas you've got for the Mariners moving forward. Yeah, look, I'm fortunate to... uh, I go to Minnesota uh, four or five times a year. Um, That's where uh, the Anytime Fitness head office is situated and I do take in a lot of uh, uh, American sporting events um, so I I, I um, am a massive fan of, of, of the way they create a, a whole entertainment event um, and that's what we're trying to you know that's one of our big goals this year at the Mariners is to um, not just give the supporters a 90 minute game of football we want to give them a three three and a half hour family experience where they can come in and and the people that want to go and have a beer they can go and have a beer the people that want to listen to some live music can go and listen to live music there'll be interactive games for kids to play there'll be halftime entertainment we're going to be running some exciting competitions at halftime and trying to bring into the Australian sporting uh, well the central coast um, some of the things that I've seen uh, work and, and excite me when I go to sporting events in in America and Minnesota United are a great example. You know, they've only been around five years and and they're turning people away. And it's it is the best atmosphere I've seen at a uh, a, a soccer match outside of the UK. Um, they have the drums are behind the goal. They they have standing room only behind the goals, and they they create just an amazing atmosphere. They're singing from the first whistle to the last whistle, and it's um, yeah. We've we've got a lot of work to do here at the Central Coast Mariners, and we probably won't get it right year one. But I do, you know, over over my tenure here in the next few years, I, I do want to have a real crack at um, 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 making it an exciting day out for families and and supporters to uh, to get them excited about coming to the next game. So I want people to walk away from a game at the Central Coast Stadium looking on their phone for when the next home game because they're that excited about about that next home game. So a lot of work to do. Plenty of talk at the moment, but there's a lot of work to do. Well, that is the challenge in world sport. And I was part of a conference with the NRL, I reckon about a decade ago, where we dialed in people from around the world at NRL HQ. And it was about 
trying to put bums on seats. And it's the most difficult thing in sport. And sometimes we're playing in stadiums that are way too big for that sporting event. Now, you said yesterday, we're blessed with the eighth wonder of the world. That's one of our, you know, I guess one of our trump cards is that we play at Central Coast Stadium. Uh, absolutely. I mean, I love it. It's one of the reasons I invested in the club. I don't think there's a better a better venue. I mean, there's bigger venues, um, but, you know, like you said, I'm, I'm one for atmosphere. I love atmosphere. I get excited by it myself. Um, so I'd rather have, you know, 12,000 people in a you know, 15,000-seat stadium than, than you know, 13,000 people in a 80,000-seat stadium. It's a totally different atmosphere. Um, and it's all part about getting people excited about the brand and the experiences is watching people around them. Um, and you know, one of the one of the the, the the strategies that Minnesota United used in the early days was to actually fill the area behind their goal, um, because it becomes a a bit of as well as watching the game, you're watching the activity that the passionate fans are. are doing behind the goal and again that's one of our strategies that we really want to fill uh, the northern end of the stadium as, as much as we can this year and and um, watch the, the the rest of the stands fill up off the back of that so, yeah, yeah I think plenty I of think strategies the RBB... but again sorry, sorry plenty sorry, of strategies Richard. but I've, I've... I've got to make it all happen. We've got to make yeah. it all happen. I was going to say, I think the Western Sydney Wanderers did a great job of that with their RBB yeah. uh, and the way they were so engaging with the crowd. And I went to a few of their games and the atmosphere, atmosphere there was absolutely phenomenal. And, and again, I'm not a massive soccer fan, but I love the fact that there was the crowd participation. I think also the key, uh, Richard, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it's that FOMO yeah. you know, amongst supporters that fear of missing yeah. out. Am I going to miss out on something that may happen at that game? Or, you know what, the, you know, you just want this, you know, feeling within the community that we need to get to the Mariners game. And it's about how you create that. Obviously, success helps, but it's what you do in and around that. And as long as your culture as a team is one of which they're competitive, and we see it up with the Newcastle Knights, right? As long as their team is competitive, they will show up. Right? If they don't, yeah. if they're not competitive, they won't show up. Right? They don't care whether they win or lose. They just need to be competitive. And I think there's there's a couple of things there for me that really stand out. Hey, uh, by the way, by the way, boys, uh, tomorrow the Mariners are in action. So we've got uh, Sydney FC, Richard, in the Australia Cup. That game being played at Leichhardt. So that's a round of 32 match. I'm sure you'd like to say a couple of words about that one. But also, how good is it? Round one of the competition. So the draw is out now. And we face our arch rival, the Jets, in round one. And Monty said yesterday in a press conference that uh, yeah, they'll be feeling it, the Jets, uh, because we rolled them three times last season, twice away and once at home. Yeah, yeah. Look, quickly back to what, what Michael was saying is, uh, you know, I, we, we do have to, uh, you know, that FOMO is important to create. And, and that's, you're right, people want to see hard, you know, aggressive, uh, exciting people putting energy on the field and putting having a real crack. We we obviously want to win games and we will win plenty of games, but you know, it's about that um, that spirit within the team and how they're performing on the field, not just the results. So I agree, hundred percent. That's that's part of, um, of, of, of attracting uh, supporters to the ground. And, and yeah, look to the Sydney game tomorrow. It's it's not you know, it's 
we've only been back for you know, about 14 days training, so to go straight into a competitive game um, is uh, is it, it's been a hard uh, couple of weeks for the strength and conditioning guys to get the players to a reasonable fitness level. That we're certainly nowhere near our peak, um, and neither will Sydney be. So it'll, I think it'll be one of it'll be interesting to see who who is closer to their uh, to their match fitness tomorrow. Um, you know, Sydney will be well prepared. They're they're well coached, and you know, it's no secret they've they've got a massive budget. And um, you know, but we've got a a very young team going out on the park tomorrow. Um, I haven't done the average age, but I'm going to guess it's somewhere around 21 would mm. be our average age, age out on the park tomorrow. And we're going to give it a real crack. We're very keen to go a long way in the cup. In fact, you know, it's one of our goals. We want to win it this year. Um, so we're very excited about that opportunity tomorrow. So it'd be great to get some supporters down there to to Leichhardt. Um, and then the, the first round, the F3 derby is, um, yeah, wow, I can't wait for it. <laughs> I'm super <laughs> excited. Um, um, and, yeah, look, you know, Newcastle look like they're recruiting well this year, and, again, they're well coached. Um, we did have the wood on them last year, but we're not taking that for granted this year. It's a whole new season. You know, we've got a lot of work to do um, between now and, and the start of the season. And, and um, you know, as far as I'm concerned, I've got the club's got the best coaching staff, uh, you know, definitely in Australia, but... Maybe, maybe in the Southern Hemisphere. I don't know. But we, we've got a great coaching staff, and I know we'll work hard and, and get the boys prepared for um, for both those games. Yeah, yeah. Richard, uh, thank you so much for your time this morning. Pleasure to meet you yesterday, and also to have you on the radio this morning. And best wishes uh, with the club that we all love, the Central Coast Mariners. Hey, uh, thanks for the time, guys, and and uh, uh, Michael, massive fan of. Uh, of of you in your playing days. So, uh, yeah, great to talk to you guys. Ah, thanks, Richard. Nice You've obviously you got guys. a very, very good memory, my friend. Thank you very much. <laughs> no, you, 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 were, you were good to watch, mate. You were the type you. of people, person that brought brought people in, in the gates. So, yeah, good on you yeah, guys. Have a, great, have a great weekend. Yeah, all the best, Richard. Well, thanks for your time too, mate. Thank you. How nice, Beards. Yeah, that's a nice rap. Good on you, Richard. Like I said, he must have a very good memory. No, you, mate, you were the real deal. And uh, I quite often watch the NRL, you know, across the weekend and think Butes would still be a star regardless of what generation he's in. Yeah, I could probably cope and adapt. Yeah, Who knows? Absolutely. You're fitter now, aren't you? I trained pretty hard, yeah, so I keep myself active. So, yes. so Richard Peel, so impressive to me yesterday. Yeah. In, in fact, I was at the very first event as a master of ceremonies when the Mariners first started. So they were trying to encourage businesses to rally around our new football club. Yep. A lot of people didn't know too much about it, but we'd sign, we'd sign Damian Brown, we'd signed Andrew Clark. So we got a couple of local boys, but they had, a, they had a marquee in the middle of Central Coast Stadium. Mm. And yesterday was probably the closest to that that I've encountered where I could feel a real change. It's almost like the Mariners have gone through a metamorphosis and I feel like from a business perspective, I feel like yesterday was such a positive day. In, in fact, with my business, and I'm just a very small business, yep. I thought, yeah, maybe I should jump on board with the Mariners moving forward. I'll tell you what happens. You get someone with the credibility of Richard Peel yep. within your organisation, right? You think about the good organisations, sporting organisations, right? The Roosters, who have they got there as, as their chairman? Well, the great Nick Pilatus. The Godfather. Correct, right? So he engages other great businessmen. 
Richard Peel will change this team in terms of the way that it is, the way that they play, the way that, that it's managed, the way that they are engaging in the community, and also, more importantly, the sponsorship that will come in because of his leadership and his credibility and in the game. The other thing too, Butes, he's not on the other side of the world. Correct. He's, he's, at, he's at the coalface. Exactly right. He's a local who wants to see this yeah. team succeed, and he's going to drive that. He's got that passion. By the way, for the record, we have signed a Ghanaian striker, Paula Yongo. Uh, mm. We've also got a young player from, uh, from Sydney, um, Michael Roos, who's going to be a, a fantastic acquisition. We have lost a couple of absolute stars. Birigidi has left now. He's gone to Dundee in Scotland. Yep. And you may have heard we lost Urania, who's one of my favourite Mariners. Strategy. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Uh, we're off to a break. This is Saturdays on the Coast on SEN. Robson Civil. With over 60 years of leading civil constructions experience, visit robsoncivilprojects.com.au. BJ Howes Metal Land. The Coast's tradies' choice for tools, steel, gas. Visit bjhowes.com.au. You're listening to Saturdays on the Coast. Yeah, live at Gosford Tennis Centre. We're loving it this morning. A little bit later on, there's the Junior Club Championships. And uh, thanks again to everyone for making us feel so welcome. Butes, this could be our new home base. Oh, I like it. I like it a lot. Not quite the view of Terrigal, right? But nevertheless, sensational. You are Mr. Terrigal. Yeah, yeah. Do you, do you know what we could do? So because we've been to so many venues lately, uh, you know, like we went to the hockey, the New South mm. Wales Under-13 Championships. We did. We went to the New South Wales Pool Rescue Championships, and thanks again to Surf Life Saving New South Wales and Surf Life Saving Central Coast. But we could we could rate the best Saturday morning coffee. I think it's not a bad idea. Well, now, you love your coffee. I'm a hot chocolate man, and now, it's all the same to me. If you compare this to BJ, Brett Johnson at the hockey... Uh, about three weeks ago, how would you compare Gosford Tennis to Brett Johnson at the I, hockey? I don't like comparing names, or but you know, ultimately, look, this was a very but, good hot chocolate. Uh, how was your? Are you worried he could sue us? Yeah, he might be listening right now. I'm sure he is listening right now, and yeah. he doesn't want to be. So his coffee. How with the, with the hot chocolate out of ten, what would you give it? I give it today. It was an eight, eight out of ten. Eight out of ten. Yep. Uh, okay, Jackie Devivo. So she's got a little bit of work to do. But oh, I, I don't think there's the perfect ten. How does that compare to? What How I does would, that compare to BJ at the hockey? What I would suggest is if there was a marshmallow, it would have been a 9 ah, out of 10. Yeah. No, okay. That, just what, add the marshmallow. What about uh, BJ at the hockey? What does he get out of 10? Uh, 7.5. 7.5? Yeah, yeah, Okay, yeah. so BJ's got some work to do. <laughs> correct. <laughs> correct. Correct, correct. I, I reckon at the moment I've got Gosford Tennis. I've got their coffee way out in front. What I will say is... But don't forget, BJ made thousands with his yes. coffee machine. And BJ also, I think BJ had the better... <laughs> Sausage sandwich. But well, we haven't had a sausage sandwich. My case in point. And I am, dis- the I, I am disappointed here, like at uh, 10.30 on a Saturday morning, they're sold out of nachos. <laughs> I don't know how that happens. <laughs> Obviously, it's the breakfast of champions. <laughs> hey, uh, by the way, last night, the AFL, I tell you, Melbourne are back. Mm-hmm. The reigning premiers, they have smashed, smashed Fremantle on their home deck. Uh, 12 13, 85 to 5, 9, 39. This one was over early. Melbourne, they've got a pretty tough run home, but I reckon they're on a roll now. They're, they're going to be hard to beat moving forward. Uh, big game this afternoon, Sydney versus GWS, the Battle of the Bridge. My daughter is going, believe it or not. She's moved down to Sydney, yeah, and she's, got, she's living at Wallara, and she told me yesterday that her and her two friends that she lives with, 
are going to the Swans game today. Their first time ever. So yeah, my daughter's going too. Tal- yeah, right, there you go. Talia loves her AFL. And yeah. uh, good luck to our great mate, uh, Mark McVeigh, who's coaching GWS at the moment. But Sydney, yeah, they've got a lot more to play for, and I think they'll get home in this one. Oh, but they need to get home. You know, if there's going to be serious contenders at any stage this year, this is a game that they must win. Butes, I want to ask you about the Pride jersey and, uh, as I'll call them, the Sanctimonious Seven at Manly. I'd like to ask you about that. I'm, you know... I'm reading a lot about culture, and I've got some thoughts around, you know, the, it sounds like the players weren't informed whatsoever. So let's talk about that in our last half hour. But yep. next up, we'll talk some netball because the Central Coast Heart, congratulations to them. They're through to the grand final. Amber, Amber Cross is coming up next on Saturdays on the Coast. Robson Civil. With over 60 years of leading civil constructions experience, visit robsoncivilprojects.com.au. BJ Howes Metal Land. The coast's tradies' choice for tools, steel, gas. Visit bjhowes.com.au. You're listening to Saturdays on the Coast. And the man steering the ship back at headquarters is Adam Staples. Adam, good morning to you, mate. How are you doing? Hey, guys. Going pretty well. Hey, have you got a Commonwealth Games update for us? We're super excited here that one of the swimmers from the Central Coast, from Mingara and also Shelley Beach Surf Life Saving Club, Brad Woodward, he's through to the final of the 100 metres backstroke. But have you got a full update for us on how the Aussies have gone? Yes, I certainly can tell you that our first uh, gold medal, we've actually got eight gold medals, so we'll go through just the medal tally first of all and uh, eight golds four silver and four bronze for a total of 16 medals so far Australia uh, cleaning up on day one uh, and New Zealand are in second place on seven medals in total at the moment England on nine in total but only three and two golds respectively for them in terms of Australia uh, Jessica Gallagher and Caitlin Ward winning the first gold medal for Australia in the women's tandem B sprint track cycling. So that was our first gold of the games. Uh, but in the pool, we certainly cleaned up. Ariane Titmus winning gold in the 200-meter freestyle. It was a, an all-Aussie podium in, in that one because uh, silver went to Molly O'Callaghan and bronze went to Madison Wilson in that same race. Uh, it was Elijah Winnington who won gold uh, in the men's 400 freestyle with a time of three point four three oh six so congratulations to him we also had zach stubbley cook who won uh, gold in the men's 200 meter breaststroke so well done to him that was a a great effort from him unfortunately disappointment for kyle chalmers matt temple and cody simpson uh but it was also great to see uh, the Aussies winning gold in the mixed 4x100 relay, uh, men's uh, and women's, obviously. Uh, so the, the mixed relay there. So congratulations to the Aussies. Also in the Paris swimming events, Tim Hodge winning his first Commonwealth Games gold with uh, a, a time of 1 minute, 1 second, 0.88. So that was in the S9 100 metre backstroke. So congratulations to some of the Aussies uh, in the pool. Looking forward to day two in the pool, no doubt. Uh, I'm sure Australia will clean up, but there's plenty of medals on day one. Matthew Hauser also winning <laughs> our first medal in triathlon. That was a bronze. So just some of the action, guys. Uh, take me yeah. all day to go through everything. Yeah, Good no. day out, mate. A good day out for the Aussies. Uh, fan- fantastic, mate. We're, we're watching junior tennis at the moment. I reckon, uh, you know who I'd like to play? Don't worry about John O'Cooper or Nick DeVivo. I'd like to take on this little kid here, the little boy in black. And I reckon he might still beat me. I reckon he's a chance. The only way that he, you'd have a chance is if 
you got your serving. <laughs> yeah. Right? And it probably bounced well, over his head. He's you, that small. He's like five years of age. You, you've seen my yeah, serve. I've seen them, yeah. Hey, Abutes, let's quickly talk about the Pride jersey. Yeah. Uh, what were your thoughts about Thursday night? So it's really overshadowed the fact that we've got women in league round. You know what? That's probably the most disappointing part. And I think, again, there's a whole lot of issues here in and around, you know, what has played out throughout the week, right? Obviously, the Manly Club didn't consult their players, right, which was probably the biggest disappointment out of all. Obviously, they didn't realise or understand the culture of their playing group, which is concerning for me, the fact that they didn't consult them and, and think about their needs, their beliefs, their values. Um, they Then you look at the NRL allowing the Pride jersey or signing off from the Pride jersey during this round, I think it should have remained exclusive that the women in league round, because it's become lost, unfortunately. Yeah. The women in league round has become lost in this furo and this controversy yeah. around the, the Pride, which I think is disappointing. Our game has come so far in the women's space, and it's just probably, it's almost become... Can, can you say to me what you told me off the air a moment ago, and I think we all believe this, like you said, rugby league is an inclusive game. It, you know what? Go into any dressing room and you will see the inclusiveness nature of what our sport is about, all right? And it's, you know, clear and apparent and it's irrelevant. Your colour, your race, your sexual preference, it doesn't matter. You know what? You're a footy player. You're part of that group and you just do what you've got to do out there on the field. And this is probably one of the hardest things for these guys to make this stance is that they would have felt that they've let their team down, especially yeah. considering where the circumstances are for the season and where it's at. And, you know, Clark, you touched on it before. What, you know, what bitter taste, what sourness is this going to leave amongst the other players come Monday at training Yeah, when, it, when we're two games, uh, it, two points behind? It's a debacle at Manly, mm. at the Manly Footy Club. And, you know, it was so sad to see Ian Roberts come out this week. And, yeah, he's one of the greatest players of all. In fact, my, my mother-in-law, God bless her, uh, Ian Roberts was her favourite player. And, you know, he's the first player to come out. And so to see Ian Roberts on national TV... and Heartbroken, shattered, all those things. What, what I will say is I think the Manly Club had good intentions, right? And, and it's clear and apparent. And, you know, the way they... They just forgot to tell their employees. Correct. Now, now a hypothetical view. So I've worked in organisations where they would say, Steve, if you don't wear that jumper, don't bother coming back tomorrow. Yeah. So... Yeah, in terms of culture, like those players should have been consulted before they're told to do something. Like I said, if you don't know your playing group and you don't know the cultural beliefs of them and whatever else, you know what? This is a reflection of society now, right? There's so many different, you know, groups and, and beliefs and values and, you know, religions that people adhere to and follow. So I look at that and I just go, you know, it's important that you consult with them and, and talk to them about it. And, you know, I would assume those at Manly didn't think it was going to be such a big deal. But it's turned into something that is far bigger than they could have ever imagined. Paul Kent wrote an article in The Telegraph today where he says you go into the current player's dressing room and there's a, an Indigenous jersey, there's a multicultural jersey. Uh, you know, there's there's... Every round, there's something different, isn't there? Correct. You know, again, it goes back to that point we made earlier. Rugby league is very inclusive, right? There is, it doesn't matter who you are, what you are. You are, once you're in that footy field, you are just out there doing your best. And it's irrelevant of colour, race, religion, sexual preference. You know what? It makes no difference. At the end of the day, 
it probably means Manly will miss the finals. Yeah, I, I like, think um, so. Unless there's some kind of miracle. We've got to go to a break. Amber Cross is waiting patiently on the line. Central Coast Heart, how good is this? They're through to another grand final, and it happens on August 6th. The Premier League, we'll talk about that in just a few moments. Saturdays on the coast, we do it all thanks to Robson Civil Projects and McDonald Jones Homes on SEN. Robson Civil, with over 60 years of leading civil constructions experience. Visit robsoncivilprojects.com.au BJ Howes Metal Land, the coast's tradies' choice for tools, steel, gas. Visit bjhowes.com.au You're listening to Saturdays on the Coast. Yeah, welcome back. We're live at Gosford Tennis Centre. Uh, loving the morning. Thanks again to everyone for making us feel so comfortable here. In fact, we might not want to leave Buttes. That's good. It is good here, I've got to say. Yeah, absolutely. Shout out to some friends of the show, Ash Gavinlock, who's listening live from the snow. Huh. Uh, also, uh, Ange Jones has uh, sent a message in. So, star in numerous sports, including AFL. She's actually heading up to Coffs Harbour next weekend for the International Tag Series. She'll be competing for the women's over 40s in the, for the Australian side. Yeah, what a superstar. I bumped into uh, the Velvet Fog, uh, Mick Morley. Yep. Uh, actually, the Velvet Fog is me. He's the bald badger. Uh, the badger, he was listening live in the Pilbara last week. He actually said we should have crossed live to the Pilbara. We go far and wide, don't we? Well, it is amazing. Well, our tentacles, they do spread. They do spread yeah. very much so. Thanks again to Robson Civil Projects celebrating their 60th anniversary. If you want to work for Robson's, mm-hmm. this family business, third generation family business, make sure you jump on their website and check out the employee portal and you could be working for Robson's in the future. Hey, let's talk some netball. I'm super excited about this. Central Coast Heart, they're through to the grand final. They'll take on North Shore United. Amber Cross joins us. Good morning, Amber. Congratulations. Through to another grand final. Good morning, Steve. Yes, very exciting. I think um, our whole entire team is over the moon at having made it through to our third grand final. And we're excited to play the big GF at KRA next week, which is a new initiative for the comp. So it's really exciting. Oh, that, that is awesome, the Ken Rosewell Arena. Can you name some names for us? Who's the nucleus of this star-studded Central Coast team? I think probably the, the key players are the OGs, really. We've got um, Maddie Taylor, who is our rock-solid goal shooter, who's been with us since our first game and actually had her 100th Premier League game last week. And also our captain, Alicia Walsh, again, who has been with us since season one and is a real hungry defender who works super hard in the midcourt to, to shut down those amazing attackers. So they would probably be our two keys. But also, I can't forget Lauren Moore, can I? Oh, wow. <laughs> what a player. Superstar. And uh, against North Shore. So, I mean, last year, the premiership was abandoned. So it's back. And, you know, North Shore have been a real powerhouse as well, along with the Central Coast Heart. Yeah, look, North Shore are definitely going to go into the game as favourites. I think they've been the pack lead for the last three years and were disappointed last year when the competition got called off because I think they thought they were on a roll and going to go back-to-back last year. So they're really hungry to get another title under their belt. That's okay. We love the underdog tag at Central Coast Park. That's what we thrive off and we're up for the challenge. Amber, what's going to be the key for you? You spoke about some of your key players, but what's going to be the key for you going into this game? Um, what aspect do you think you need to really focus on to give uh, yourself the best possible chance to get the job done? 
definitely our defensive effort. I think North Shore United's strength at the moment is that they're so consistent. They don't really have any ups and downs. They just keep powering on at this one consistent level. They've got great depth off the bench and they're able to bring fresh legs on all the time. So it's really key for us that we have a strong defensive plan and that we're able to shut down all the ball movement that really makes them so strong. So our focus at training this week will be all about that one-on-one hard defence. Amber, has North Shore got some Suncorp Super Netball fringe players as well? Yeah, for sure. So they've got Matisse Leatherbarrow, who plays with Lauren Moore in the, the Giants SSN team. And they've got a whole host of uh, Giants training partners as well who make up their line. So there's a wealth of experience there. They've also got some uh, ANC stars who are going to be playing at um, the Australian National Championship shortly. So there's certainly a star-studded lineup. Amber, what about you as a coach? How do you feel like you've evolved? And, I mean, you've led this team to the promised land previously. So how do you feel like that will... Will that stand you in good stead going into the big one? Oh, yeah, I'd like to think a go. I'd like to think so. I think if I, you know, reflect back on when I first started with Central Coast Park seven years ago, I definitely was a rookie coach and pretty green. But, you know, seven years under my belt has definitely strengthened my game. And I think having that grand final experience from 2018, where we were able to win the championship, and also in 2019, where we didn't actually get the win, but I think going back to that grand finals is an achievement in itself, has made me a better coach. And I think my experience too at uh, Nationals this year with the under-17 state team has also given me a lot of confidence to draw from. Amber, have you got aspirations to coach in Suncorp Super Netball? I I know that maybe you've listened to my latest podcast with Dan Ryan and what an incredible story that is. But how about for you? Yeah, look, I think I've always been somebody who has sort of just taken each next step along the pathway. And, you know, I have certainly got aspirations to keep moving along that pathway I've been in the state environment for quite a few years now, so it will be something I'm looking to do in the future, trying to get involved with some of the Swiss or Giants academies and, who knows, possibly SSN in the future. But you're right, Dan Ryan's a great story. It's a great comeback story and also a fantastic coaching story for somebody who didn't you know, play in SSN um, but who's been able to make it into the top and really have a story of redemption. Yeah, what about for you? Have you got mentors? Yeah, I definitely have mentors within the netball community and I've actually just been lucky enough to be uh, selected into the Australian uh, Sport Mentoring Collective. So I've been able to get a mentor outside of the sport as well, which has been really great over the last two months. So mentoring is super important and and I like now that I've got a touch point who's outside my sport to give me a little bit more perspective. What are some of the key things you've learned, Amber, over that two month period about you know, from someone outside of the sport um, that has helped or enhanced your coaching? Uh, look, I think, you know, obviously just um, confidence. I think mm-hmm. when, you know, you're really entrenched in sport, you can often be in your reflection super hard. So it's nice to get somebody else's point of view and for them to reinforce that you're actually on the right track. But I also think I've got lots of uh, little tips and hints here and there around different ways that I can approach things, whether it's by 
um, having a really solution-focused coaching style or trying to reflect using some action research or those types of things that are a little bit new to me and are pushing me out of my comfort zone. Amber, the buzzword is culture. Do you feel like we've developed a, a really strong culture at the Central Coast Heart? For sure. Uh, you know, I think what we've managed to do here in this team is pretty special. Uh, as you would know, when we came into the comp, I think everybody was expecting us to struggle, but we've actually been one of the most consistent teams over the seven years of the competition. And I think that all comes back to the team culture and the underpinning values and philosophies that we have at Central Coast Heart. We really worked hard to get them right at the beginning and then it's been a process of continually building on that every year so that we're really forming, I think, a pretty good legacy. Yeah, final question for you. What happens in the countdown to the big one at Ken Rosewell Arena on August 6th? We've got a pretty jam-packed week, actually. Uh, the week looks a lot different because we're playing on a Saturday night instead of a Wednesday night. We're actually mm. going to have a run on KRA on Tuesday night, as most of our players probably haven't played out there before. So it'll be really important for us to, to simulate a little bit what that will feel like for them. And then we'll have a couple other training sessions as well throughout the week to really fine-tune our game plan. So it's a busy one, but um, we're really excited and I'm sure that the girls are pumped. Yeah, well, you're getting a standing ovation from uh, myself and Michael Butner. Congratulations again Aww, on reaching <laughs> on reaching the Premier League Grand Final. Uh, best wishes, regardless of how it goes. Congratulations on the season. Yeah, thanks, guys. Really appreciate your support, and, and hopefully we'll bring home the trophy. Yeah, Amber Cross joining us. What a fantastic coach and a great mm. story. And, again, it's the Central Coast just punching above its weight, Buttes. It certainly does, and, you know, a big week for the girls. And, you know, I just hope it sounds like Amber's, you know, with her experience and what she's done over the last seven years as the coach, is very relaxed and comfortable about the situation. She doesn't yeah. appear to be overawed, and I think that might reflect in the players and their ability. Yeah, bunch of thank yous. Uh, don't forget you can download the Catch-Up podcast. Uh, thank you to Adam back at headquarters. Thanks to Lockie and also Roxanne, our technician extraordinaire. Thanks to everyone at Gosford Tennis, the DeVivo family for uh, making us feel so comfortable this morning. And uh, Buttes, looks like show court number one is ready for oh, you and I bring it on. to hit it in a couple of moments' time. Uh, thanks again for listening. This is Saturdays on the Coast on SEN. Enjoy your weekend, whatever you might be up to, and we'll catch you next Saturday on SEN. Saturdays on the Coast.